one day I, I, I woke up and looked back, like those five, seven years of my life had just vanished. Um, mm. and couldn't tell one day from other. And yes, it was affording me a certain lifestyle, but there was nothing in that life to, to write home about. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men, empowering them to start their journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Bro Novo Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Pierce, and as always, we are here to model healthy communication for men. My guest this week is Kushal Chuxi. He is the author of On a Wing and a Prayer a 9-11 survivor's true story, spirituality for the reluctant, the curious, and the seeker. Kushal survived the attack on the World Trade Center on September 11th, which completely changed his life and forced a reevaluation of his values and how he and his wife spend their time. It was an absolute pleasure to have Kushal on the, on the program. He has some really wonderful insights about life and how we can all do our part to make the world a better place. So enjoy this episode, and I'll see you next Thursday on the Bro Nouveau podcast. And we're live. Good morning, Kishal. Good morning, Thomas. How are you? Great. Great. I'm very excited to speak with you and, and sending a thank you to Hong Bei for connecting us. Likewise. It was very yes. cool. Yeah. My listeners who uh, will remember that episode with Hong Bei, uh, so y- you are also a practitioner and uh, instructor of the Sky Breath. That's right. Yes. Awesome. But that's not all you do. Um, I have a, I have a rundown of your, uh, personal and professional CV here. So everybody, uh, buckle in. So you're a husband. Are, are you uh, a parent as well? I'm not a parent yet. Not My wife yet. and I, okay. we, we kid about it that we have two babies. One's our startup, our chocolate startup. That's our little baby. And the other one just recently born our new book. So <laughs> those are our two babies. <laughs> awesome. Uh, musician, bass and guitar. You, you can doodle as well. On the education side, you have an MS in computational finance and in informational systems from Carnegie Mellon, which is no joke. Um, so you founded this uh, chocolate chocolatier, which is a really cool. So it's a Ayurveda artisanal chocolate company, which sounds interesting. Previously, you were a stock trader working at big names like Goldman Sachs and BlackRock. You switched uh, industries and went and founded a business in the content uh, a content platform that was then acquired. You opened your own trading house, and so now you have this. You know, you've left the the financial world and have this chocolate startup. So, just for one, like, wow, what a what a varied interestless like that's that's I, so I love interesting people so that off the bat i'm just like enamored i'm like wow like <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how did you get to this point of having all of these varied and kind of rich interests you know we always have this sort of interests but um especially in my case i had so many hobbies and so many things that i always wanted to do but there was a strong conditioning and also a little bit of a fear of judgment uh, of, hey, I, I've done, I've spent so much time pursuing like these degrees. And, and now, um, you know, I've, I've 
I've gone or risen so high up in, in the corporate ladder in this world of finance. And now how foolish it would be to give it all up and, and, and start wrapping chocolates. You know, what, what would the world think? What would my friends say? You know, so there's always a little bit of that. Um, so I guess my, my practice of breathwork and meditation that gave me um, the courage and strength to, to follow my heart um, and, and go about things that really were more meaningful to me in the, in the long term. And that's how, awesome. that's how I've been able to move from one thing to the other without, <laughs> without worrying much. Yeah. So that, that journey within somehow gave you the confidence or the, the peace of mind to not kind of let others potential judgment influence you. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't that funny how the it's always the potential judgment that can stop us, not even real reactions? Yeah, we always think way too much about what others think of us, right? When in reality, nobody has time to think about us. Uh, everybody's perhaps busy thinking what others are thinking about themselves. So there's no headspace for anyone to <laughs> let you in. Um but yeah, you know, we're always getting kicked around based on what others' opinions, what others think of us. Um, and not only big decisions of our life, but in every small way we show up in our life, um, we kind of want to align to that so as to not, or, or so as to minimize the friction, if you will. Um, want to play it safe. For sure. Yeah, that's an interesting point because. That's another thing that we're kind of conditioned to do is to avoid the friction, right? Not to yeah. don't rock the boat, don't make others uncomfortable, you know, avoid unnecessary risk. But friction is good too because friction, you know, like in a really, uh, in a very, like a, a kind of like a picture way, like friction creates heat and creates new energy and, and sparks and, and creativity. But also, like if there's friction in something in our lives, we should listen to it and not ignore it because it may be telling us that something is is amiss, right? Exactly, exactly. It's you know, I love that visual that you just painted in front of me. I mean, it just keeps things moving, things dynamic. Um, otherwise, you know, if I look at my life before, you know, it was just a very monochromatic, very a singular pursuit. Uh, if I may loosely say complete, uh, I was completely enamored or, or entrenched in that rat race, if you will. And sort of the days were merging into weeks and weeks into years. And, you know, one day I, I, I woke up and looked back, like those five, seven years of my life had just vanished. Um, mm. and couldn't tell one day from other. And yes, it was affording me a certain lifestyle, but there was, nothing in that life to, to write home about. Yeah. And then there was a, you know, there was one moment uh, where your perspective changed, right? And that was on, on nine 11. So what happened on that day uh, for you? And you know, how, how does that day fit into your narrative? So that day uh, was one of the, uh, you know, one of the, 
big pivotal moments in my life and I had a miraculous escape from uh, World Trade Centers. I was I happened to be in the building when the first plane hit. And I saw death from such a close quarters. It was such a up close and personal um you know in the vicinity of death. Uh you know, whether watching people perish in front of me or 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 watching those towers collapse um as as I just you know uh, ran out of them um it it did create a feeling that there had to be more to life than what met the eye that what i was doing was great but was that all there there was to life you know that's a, that's the moment i began to question the status quo um and that's the moment i began to question what i was really here to do um and it created a, a, a feeling of um, a void, if you will. Uh, looking back, I can say it was a feeling of void. Um, and, and to try that, to try to fill that, I, I tried to start doing crazy things, traveling around the world, um, you know, changing jobs, going from a corporate world to a startup and, and back, and just trying to find that that rush, trying to find that <laughs> adrenaline, if you will, and. I realized that every time I was doing something like that, it would give me a, a momentary high and then I would come back um, to, the, to the same state, um, feeling even more exhausted. And, and that, that continued for a while. Um, you know, it, was, it, was a, it was a really interesting time of my life as I look back because on one, on one hand, I was... Um, I was very energetic. Uh, I was very enthusiastic with the new lease on life and wanted to kind of finish the unfinished business, if you will, uh, what I had come to this country as an immigrant uh, to achieve. But on the other hand, there was this nagging voice in the head that kept saying, well, what's the point of all this? What if something like this were to happen again? You know, why are you doing what you're doing? So it was, it was a very interesting <laughs> period of my life. That's incredible. And I'm very happy that you survived and are here to bring, bring light into the world now after that. Um, so on, on, on our program, we try to model healthy communication for men. And one of the things that isn't talked about a lot is, you know, how to recover or how to cope after a really traumatic incident. So obviously that sounds very traumatic and, horrifying so how did you process those experiences how did you move that trauma through your body and release it and and how did you kind of process that yeah in, as a the most general kind of <laughs> way to question it i guess uh, as i just briefly mentioned my knee jerk was to simply distract myself away from it uh, because i perhaps didn't want to relive those moments didn't want to go back um, when somebody would ask me, uh, how did this happen? Where were you? What happened? I would just very quickly run through the events of the day and say, oh, yeah, but aren't you happy I'm here? And let's not talk. Let's talk something different. Let's talk something pleasant. And so I would just avoid going there. Um, and and again, I was constantly trying to distract myself by looking some fulfillment outside. Uh, I didn't even know, you know, Looking back now, I can say that that's what I was doing. At that point, it just 
felt very natural to do that. Okay, um, you know, I, I need to do something bigger. I need to do something better. I need to do something crazier because guess what? You know, because I can. Um, and when um, one afternoon was the first time when I experienced a meditation, um, you know, there was a, a spiritual master, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who was traveling to New York. And I was very reluctant to to all these um, alternative modalities. Um, but a friend of mine just pushed me into it. And then I, I, I ended up there. And for the first time when I meditated with him, I experienced a, a state of mind um, without any turbulence, without any thoughts. Um, and that's when I felt like, Perhaps this was the this was something I'm, I've been looking for. I was still very guarded. I was still very cautious. Um, I was not ready to submit to it right away or subscribe to it right away because you know I had a conditioning of um, these things being anti-progress. These things may take the edge off my life. These th- meditation is something you would do when you retire. Um, you know, some, a pursuit for the later time of your life. So I had all these wrong notions in my head. Um, and and um, so I was very guarded. But then when I started doing some research around this meditation and breath work and how actually it really impacted how it made a difference, um, it changed everything for me. Um, and, and that's when I, I began going deeper in, in search for other dimensions. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. I've been, and thank you for sharing all of that. Also, this is a very obviously intense topic, but yeah, the, the sky breath has been, it's been awesome for me. And the thing that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm very much at the beginning of kind of my journey with it and with mindfulness in general, but I'm recently feeling really energized and excited about the journey within, you know, just kind of as I like, as I start to probe more, I can feel the vastness and that is like incredibly exciting and motivating, you know, to keep going. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, this on a anecdote, something that's been really energizing for me lately. I was and always looking also, for a hidden muffin though, Thomas, to be frank with you. Was, <laughs> is, is this really working or a, is this a peak experience or am I really, because I'm exhausted, I am sleeping it off or am I part of some placebo or like, w- what is this? Right. And, but, but there was a very, very well-documented scientific research from, from the, from the, Institutions I trust, uh, Stanford, Yale, so on. Mm. And and that gave me a lot of comfort. That gave me uh, a lot of, um, that gave me a lot of assurance that no, there, this was not just some feel good thing. There was actually um, scientific bearing that, that created this sense of calm or peace or whatever that I was experiencing. Um, so I kept going further. For sure. Yeah. I listened to a, uh a medical research podcast and there's been some studies recently about not specifically sky, but just kind of hyperventilating style breath as a, basically it, it kicks up adrenaline, which activates the immune system. And it's been proven to be 
or sh- you know shown to be effective at at the start of a uh, illness, like a mild illness, to to do that as a way to uh, kind of kickstart the immune system, which is really cool. Yeah. So you you later write a book about this experiences uh, on a wing and a prayer, um, but I want to talk about that for sure, but. It's also interesting because I'm hearing that you had this hyper focus as a business person previously. And that could be something that a lot of listeners either are on that path or grew up in an environment where that was the priority. I certainly did as far as, you know, different, obviously, uh, you know, coming to America is a very different experience than growing up here, but kind of having commercial success and having career be everything. Um, so one, where did you move from? And two, what do you think were the forces that influenced you to be kind of hyper-focused on the progress and on the sustaining your edge and not losing your, you know, competitive advantage? Yeah, I, I moved to, uh, moved to this country from India. And, and so I, I came from, I grew up in a very small town and I always had this dream of when I saw things on TV or there was no internet back then, but when I saw things, <laughs> I, I always felt like, no, I wanted to go to like, how cool it would be to someday visit New York or, or live like how these people live. And then when I came to Wall Street, um, that, that feeling just got further intensified because it was that such a strong alpha culture um, that just gets propagated down uh, through osmosis as you look at some people your your bosses and bosses bosses you know being super successful in the eyes of the world right um, and and so it was that that thing and this whole process uh, whole whole practice of of breathwork and meditation which i early earlier thought would take that edge away or you had to go to to, to a cave and become a monk to really go deep into it. Um, it, it actually was exactly the opposite. You know, it, it gave me more strength. It gave me so much more clarity. Uh, unbeknownst to my effort, it, it, it also improved my intuition. Um, and that led wow. me, that led me to take more risks that led me, led me to take, um, or do, in, in my words, crazier things that I would have never imagined doing. I mean, I, I gave up uh, a very promising Wall Street path. Um, I was a managing director um, with a hedge fund um, and, and to, to start a, a tech startup. Um, you know, it, there was, it was just me and one of my other friends, you know, two, two, of, two of us did a tech startup. And from there on, um, my, my first startup failed, the second one got acquired and the next I, I started a, a chocolate company with my wife. So it's just, it's, it has given me so much more, um, that, that strength to be agile, the, the strength to, to pivot, the strength to really do what I want to do without, without thinking about, oh, what if, you know, um, I was a, a, a person who, who thought a lot about what if I, I need to secure my basis first. I need to get things in line first before I did that, took that incremental risk. And that thing kind of diminished um, in a responsible way, but it, 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 it went away. 
<laughs> in a responsible way, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying become a cowboy. Everyone has their own reality, right? But yeah. there's always something that, that's holding us back from listening to that inner voice. Um, yeah, and, and this practice gave me that strength to, to go after it. If you had any reflections on, you know, how men are conditioned and the problems associated, you know, what would they be? Because that's a common theme of our show too, is to make it okay for men to have conversations like we're having and be honest and be transparent about our shortcomings and not try to pretend everything's okay. So... Yeah, it's a, I know it's a very big question, but, you know, as far as the kind of weight areas of improvement for men in this country and maybe also in India, what would they be from, from your perspective? You're right. It's a, it's a very broad, broad topic. Um, I think there's always this, uh, and I reflecting back upon my life, um, there's always this fake sense of urgency to get there um, and to show the world that you've arrived. Um, whereas there is no arriving in my mind now. There is no place to get there because even when you get there, the, the goalpost is going to shift. And then there is, there will be some, there, there will be another place where you would rather be at that point. And you get there and then there's, again, there's somewhere else you'd rather be. So there's always this thing where we constantly keep, postponing our um, fulfillment or happiness to, to some event uh, in future. And something that we say is very conditional upon uh, something else. Okay, if I get this, then I'm, I've made it, then I'm happy. If I get that, then I'm really happy. But when, I, when you get there, that object to which you've already conditioned your, your success and happiness is definitely going to change. Um, so I guess that the one thing that I learned from my teacher is, is how the wisdom is in, you know, disconnecting our own measure of success from the people and situations around us. Um, and, and that's when life really becomes an, an expression of that joy, that happiness rather than a pursuit of it. Um, and, and that's something that, that, um, over a period of time became, became an experience. You know, sometimes we read these things, sometimes you hear these things, and, and it feels really good. It, it uh, appeals to the intellect. But until these things become an experience that we've lived through or that becomes like our own, it comes from the core of our own being, it just is, a, is a, a, another feel-good exercise. So that, that could be one. And the other I think the other thing is just just taking that that few moments because we are in such a rush. We are in such a rush to get somewhere. We usually put ourselves last on the list. Uh, and I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with so many of my friends, so many of the overachievers that I'm so... Uh, they're such dear friends of mine. I call them overachievers because they have surprised themselves, surprised everyone, and they still keep going. They still keep creating new highs and somewhere along the way 
they just they just ignore one thing their own health and their own well-being um, so i think it's super super important as as we go after these things which i still believe in going after i i'm i'm fully entrenched into um into the pursuits i have certain goals i'm very passionate about things i do um but taking that that 20 minutes of time a day which apparently nobody has um <laughs> to 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 go deeper and and kind of rest deeper so that you can come back stronger bounce back stronger and and play hard in in the world outside awesome i like that yeah so i'm hearing that it's okay to participate in this crazy competitive you know capitalist system but take time to serve yourself as well because ultimately these pursuits you know they serve us as far as, so specifically now I'm talking about someone say like a men or any anyone who is caught up in the the rat race if you will you know it's okay to do that but it's also really important to rest deeply as you said and kind of make sure you don't lose yourself lose oneself in in that and kind of as you said in the beginning have 6 years of your life blend together and wonder you know if that's happening then how do you know who how does anyone know who they are if they can't differentiate the season of their life right yeah and and i would say i would go one step further i would say it's not just okay it's important that you run the race you know it's important that you partake in everything that's going on around us you know that's what makes life right and it's important to enjoy that everything that world has given us or there is to enjoy in the world but not just getting so deeply entrenched that you feel stuck or you feel miserable when one of those things doesn't go your way which is going to happen one way or the other i mean if <laughs> if if this pandemic was anything it was it was just that right that whatever you plan whatever you think is is going on something an unknown force of nature can just come and just destroy or disrupt everything and you know totally and i the way that you also are so you know nonchalant about the first startup failing for example is a good example of that you know a lot of people probably would be devastated by that and not start another one and then succeed with it right oh i was devastated too <laughs> i was devastated mm-hmm. too but but there was a there was a feeling that that no i i i need to keep going i need to keep going and perhaps that was that feeling of um that inner security that inner strength um, that that i was feeling at that moment or whatever that was mm-hmm. but i it was a tough time it was a tough time uh, of of my life and i felt like why did i make this decision but that also gave me a strength to 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 live everything that i had practiced everything that i had learned because you know you don't need to learn or do all these things when when life is life is great life is going good um it's only when Certainly. things are crumbling around us that's when that <laughs> that strength is needed yeah mhm totally yeah that that's where i'm at as far as you know my mental health and my you know kind of journey with therapies that right now i'm in a, a a decent place a good place mentally and now is when i want to fortify you know and strengthen the foundation right and and using sky and other mindfulness tools to just fortify cuz the next storm is always coming and and 
Uh, you, you, you can't you, stop that. You touched upon something so beautiful there. It's like we always go looking for these things when things have hit the fan and when things are crumbling around us. But if you if you start when things are going well, um, and as you said, you you strengthen your base, then you just are so much better equipped or better prepared to deal any kind of upheavals that may come down the road. For sure. So something else that we talk about on the program a good bit is identity and the dynamics of race and class in the United States. And I think that your perspective and your experiences post 9-11 would probably be really interesting and I imagine challenging as a survivor, but also post 9-11, I was quite young. I'm only 26, but from what I, you know, what I, uh, have picked up is that it created this anti um, Middle East sentiment. And as someone, you're not from the Middle East, you're from the Indian subcontinent, but you could look to be from the Middle East from someone who is uneducated on this <laughs> may think that you were from there. So how did that confluence of, you know, protective territorial patriotism you know, ingrained xenophobia and misunderstanding and from a lot of may say white Americans who have no, you know, pre-exposure to anyone who isn't also white. And then you kind of having this crazy traumatic experience being on the receiving end of these terrible actions. And then also potentially being identified as one of the perpetrators by, you know, strangers who don't know your story. <laughs> was that was that uh, something very challenging to deal with? I I, uh, I can see that being a, a problem. <laughs> you know, Thomas, it's only once in my life I experienced that. Fortunately, I've lived in New York and it's a very, very progressive, very open culture. And most of the people, I mean, it's such a, it's such a cultural hot, hot pot here, right? So everybody's here from different type, uh, different parts of the world. And so there's tremendous amount of acceptance um, in, in New York City from that point of view. But since you brought it up, it was the first time right after 9-11, I wanted to move move away from the city because I there was that something in here that I didn't want to be around here. So this is day two. I'm talking about um, September 12th. Um, and, and I decided to move away. My girlfriend used to live in North Carolina. So I thought, okay, I'll just go there. Um, and all the modes of transport were, were shut down. You know, there was no trains, no aircrafts. So I jumped on a Greyhound bus. And the first time I, and it was a, it was a full bus. I very clearly remember I, 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 I was just walking down that, that, that little thin aisle between two rows of seats and I was getting like really weird looks from people on the bus that, that night. Um, and I, first I didn't understand what was going on, but then I realized that perhaps it could have something to do with it. And it, it turned out to be the, the, the longest silent bus ride of my life. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really wanted to scream that, you know, I have more in common with you than, than I have with the people you're, you're right now hate you know, hateful towards. Um, but that was only, only time in my life in this country 
uh, I, I felt um, uh, violated is the right word. But other than that, I have been very fortunate. Uh, either personally or professionally, I've never felt that uh, that discrimination or uh, that I'm I'm different from others kind of feeling. Great. That's good to hear. What do you think we can learn or take away from the experience of that kind of xenophobia or, you know, fear of the unknown? What does that say about the human condition that people have that fear of the unknown? I think at the, at the depth of it, it all is some level of stress. Right, unless uh, unless one is completely stress free, um, that feeling of being one with everyone, feeling of belongingness, that feeling of like camaraderie doesn't come. I mean, even in our lives, we all have experienced that the moments we are stressed, we show up differently in our relationships. Um, You know, even our closest relationships with our spouses, with our you know significant others. We have this, if there's something nagging us, something bothering us, we show up very differently. We, we respond, we react very, very differently. And perhaps at some level, this, uh, this feeling or, or this sentiment is amplified many folds when these impressions or these conditioning or wrong indoctrinations are so much deeper, deeper ingrained. Maybe the way you've grown up looking at this, when you've grown up with, uh, you know, hearing bombshells all around you, I mean, there's a certain conditioning, there's certain uh, make of mind that happens. And if who is to say that if you and I were in exact same shoes, we had this exact same upbringing, our thinking will also not be that like that. So I think it's something we deal with we ought to deal with compassion. We ought, ought to deal with, um, uh, with larger acceptance and to know that you could be one of them. Yeah. You, you could be that person if you had the exact same, uh, level of uh, circumstances growing up around you or, or what you, you had been exposed to. Um, and, and maybe help those who, who are stressed. I mean, I feel uh, something I learned from my teacher is that unless you create a stress, unless you have a stress-free individual, there cannot be a harmonious society. So yeah, I, I strongly believe in that. And, and so perhaps it's our collective responsibility to do tiny bit something to, to contribute towards a, a stress-free and, and more happier world around us. I like it. It's cool because I think that my perspective on a lot of these kind of social topics are unintentionally shaped by the kind of media narrative, the, the very like liberal media narrative, right? It's very identity focused. It's very, excuse me. It's very, what can I as a white guy do to help remedy this? Or what can someone as a XYZ identity do but the answers you're giving me are very holistic and very collective. And it's, it's not about what anybody looks like. It's about 
how are they contributing to the harmony? How are, well, how are they bringing themselves to the solution? And if you think of it, the difference between all of us, you and me, is just skin deep, right? At the, at the core, we are all the same. We all go through the same human experiences. Mm-hmm. We all go through the same ups and downs and highs and lows, and it's so similar. Everything we do is so similar. It's just op- <laughs> optics are different. And mm-hmm. and that probably creates that my way is better than your way, but it's at some level it's so uh, immature. Totally. And it, it is an interesting kind of pushback too on the the common discussion around how to improve society because a lot of the pushback is that we're we're creating more divisions by being hyper-focused on identity, um, which is interesting, right? Cause it's kind of, it's kind of counterintuitive, but I've seen it in myself and in in having these discussions and having thoughtful conversation with people, it, it, you know, that's a, that's a more, that's a bigger conversation around my personal interest. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And I kind of identified that in, in your answers about how basically the, what you're saying is that it doesn't matter in the best way. It seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, you feel like the best way that you can contribute to the world and and improve the lives of everyone is kind of sharing and teaching this method of self-discovery that doesn't really, it focuses on the universalities of the human experience yeah, I mean, one approach could be sitting here criticizing you know, the media or, or you know, finding finding faults with everything that's going around us. I mean, you're right. I mean, there's there's so much polarization, right? There's so much the narrative is so so split all around us. They can't tell what's right, what's wrong. They all have a, a very strong perspective, but perhaps what we can control uh, amongst a lot of things that we can't is what do we do about it? How, how, how do we contribute? Do we, are we just spectators or um, perhaps have a little meaningful contribution to this in a small way? Because another thing that I always used to think is that what can one person like me make a difference? But it's, as I started sharing these practices and as, as I started uh, volunteering my time doing this, I, I realized that it's even if you're making a small difference in, in one mind, uh, that's, that's still sufficient. That's it's still huge. Totally. Totally. Cause the whole thesis that we're operating on is that there's an entire unlimited consciousness and universe inside of every person. Right. So yeah, if you can influence that one person, you're actually affecting a, a massive and unlimited amount of, consciousness right to use to use that logic there's actually a research there's a scientific study done it's called maharishi effect where it says that if one person or or 0.1 percent of the people meditate in a particular area it creates harmony and and um, reduction in stress and crime in in, in that neighborhood um, they did that with actual people just meditating there for eight hours a day and and they they saw that difference how in that particular area, the, the all these 
things, so the social evils just dropped. So who's to say? <laughs> That's incredible. It's called the, the Harishi effect. Maharishi effect. There's, there's actually even a book written about it. The books you wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> so so, what motivated you to to share this story in in the in the book format? You know, Thomas, I I was a very different person compared to uh, to who I am now, and I if I, I thought that if if I could experience all these all these things, if I could do these things, then anyone can. Um, and I see that the same reservations, the same um, um, same that guarded feeling that I had once in my in my consciousness. I see a lot of people around me who are who are curious yet a little bit of a uh, little bit of skeptics you know they're like okay this is great i'm going to download an app but let's see where it takes me you know so there are, there are hundreds of people i know who who are in that um, in that state and i feel that what i have experienced if if i i want everyone on this planet to to experience and and that was the inspiration to write the book just uh, it has been a very unfiltered, unbiased account of of my journey uh, as someone who looked at this whole mindfulness, spirituality, meditation from outside in. Um, you know, dealing with things, the stereotypes, the judgments, all those things. Whether, whether this is really for me, I've I've just laid it out uh, as as I experienced it. Um, Awesome. But, but yeah, I, I, that was the, that was my, my motivation to write this. Awesome. How was the experience? Did it, did it flow or was it a grind to, to write it? And, and what did you learn about yourself through the process? You know, it would not be uh, completely out of, uh, out of character to say that the book kind of wrote itself. You know, I can take all the credit that, Oh yeah, I sat and I did this and like that, but, you know, I'm I'm someone who doesn't follow processes. I don't like processes. So um, for me to come up with this whole story arc and this and that was was very uncharacteristic. So I just started writing, not knowing how how it'll end or how it'll flow, and it just it just started falling in place. It was a very very smooth um, experience, and and I. I learned a lot about myself as as part of writing it too. You know, I, some of the things as I had to put things chronologically, I had to go back in those moments and like, oh yeah, and you know, oftentimes when I, I've now been meditating and practicing this breath work, sky breath for almost sixteen years, and you can't really tell any difference from one day to the other. Like every day, something shifts so infinitesimally small. This is such a gradual shift uh, at a very glacial pace but when you look back 15 years and say oh wow look how much has changed or within the span of six months or one year oh wow that, that, that was quite a distance i i came so that was an interesting uh way to look at the whole thing totally as a reflection tool yep yeah awesome well i'm extremely motivated to continue my my breath work because of this conversation. So thanks for that on a, 
on a personal level. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> where can uh, where can folks find your find your book? Uh, where is it retailing? Uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, it's called On a Wing and a Prayer: Spirituality for the Reluctant, the Curious, and the Seeker. Nice. I like that because it encompasses all three buckets, right? The reluctant. So all the New Yorkers who are uh, afraid of being judged for (laughs) (laughs) meditating, the curious, the open-minded and the seekers who are actively engaged and looking for that, that path to deeper self-awareness. It also encapsulates all three states of, of my evolution. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I feel like, a lot of those subtleties kind of get lost in the thing, like a title, you know, and like even my lo- the logo of my podcast, for example, is within, within it on the color scheme, it says bro. No. So within bro nouveau, the color scheme kind of jumps out there and that's right. intentional too, because there are a lot of things that we need to, say no dude like don't do that you know (laughs) awesome awesome kashaw well let's let's pivot over to the the three things game so whoever's birthday is next on the calendar goes first and we each get a question uh what month is your birthday in i'm in november i think i'm closer all right cool (laughs) happy almost birthday thank you what are the three things you have learned about money? A, it's necessary. B, more is not always better. And C, um, it cannot drive your life. It should not drive your life. Mm. Right. It, it can, but I think there's a lot of documentation around how that doesn't lead to a satisfying life. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay. What are three things I've learned about change? Um, well, to be um, snarky, I now am back to coin up laundry in my new apartment. So uh, I need to <laughs> hold on to my change. <laughs> um, I think that, Living in the Bay Area, I miss I miss seasonal change, hmm. as it it is a very cool kind of marker of time, and just like you said, you know, every day is small changes, but when there are kind of physical uh, reminders of that change, it's very nice. Um, so maybe I can incorporate some kind of ways to remind myself of that or represent that change, even though the weather here is always the same, and. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm on this path where I'm I'm kind of trying to activate conscious change in my life and how to, you know, change for the better, if you will. But I don't know if that's really controllable. I think that change is one of those things that is inevitable and unavoidable, but hmm. we don't really have a hand in. So that's my thought on that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Okay. 
Well, Kushal, thank you so much for joining the Burnaba podcast and sharing your, your experiences and your insights. And yeah, I, I found it very energizing. And I think that the, the audience will too. So thanks so much for, for your time. Thank you for having me, Thomas. Appreciate that. For sure. Alrighty, have a great day. You too. Thanks. <laughs>